This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. From the TCL studios, it's Mackie and Judd. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Write that down. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. Write that down. I, I don't have a pencil. Well, remember that then. We're just talking tax. <laughs> We're talking taxes during the break here. <laughs> I won't repeat that. <laughs> just in case it's going to be a problem. I won't, I won't repeat what you just told me. Listen, sometimes if you just ignore the letters, it goes away. <laughs> I've ignored a lot of things in my life, but that's one thing I would be very, very afraid to ignore. If you ignore the letters and you move enough, yeah. they'll never find you. It doesn't. Well, you're the. If you change your name a couple times. You're the same matter. guy who kept throwing away the thing from the car dealership or the. And turned out that they were basically asking for your payment. So, and that wasn't to be clear, Luther Brookdale Toyota's fault. It was my fault. Oh, I know. No, when you, you when you don't check your mail, your well, snail you mail, thought they were your just, car gets repossessed because you thought that they were se- sending you the the updates on the payments, right? Oh, they were. But, but yeah, the updates <laughs> to pay them. <laughs> oh, they were. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down, uh, gentlemen. We're getting toward the end of the write that down season here. It's a marathon. 12-month marathon. We should almost break it up like some of these sports like soccer. And I would have won the batting first title half, second half. through July or something. Yeah, you were hitting over 300 the first half of the season. It was a, it was a good run for you. Um, we've got only a few things off the board in the accountability session this week. And if you're new to the segment, it's called Write That Down. We do an accountability session. We make predictions every week. And uh, we keep track of them. And we keep track of our season-long batting averages to show just how big idiots we are. You actually, Judd, had nothing come off the board this week. Good. So your 254 batting average on the season stays intact, and your 469 slugging percentage stays intact. I told you guys that the Vikings would run the table, starting with the Patriots game, that they would run the table the rest of the regular season. That didn't happen. I think I spit my coffee out during that one. <laughs> Something happened. I, I think that was back. last week. Maybe I'll go back to that well. We'll see. Um, you do that. We'll, we'll do. We'll get to Manny here in a second, uh, and Jonathan's going to make predictions today too. He's going to try and sneak in at the end of the year and you know put a couple hits on the board. Uh, listeners, we had uh, we had. Let's see, Dan in Connecticut, or no, this is Dan Q. I'm sorry. These are these, uh, we'll get to Dan in Connecticut's pick for later in the, uh, in the this week segment. Dan Q said Teddy Bridgewater would throw for 300 yards and two touchdowns against the Vikings this year. This is when he was in a Jets uniform. And that he would also suffer a season-ending knee injury sometime this year. Well, we kept that one on the board because he got traded to the Saints, and we figured, okay, let's just like get a little further. He got into, into that game. He did. He almost as a he receiver. Al- he almost caught a pass. <laughs> uh, but neither of those things happened. So the drama here is with Manny Hill because we have three weeks left to go in the write that down regular season, and he yeah. started making predictions back in August, and he's over so far. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a very difficult debut for Manny and write that down. Uh, you had three things come off the board, or at least two and one pending. You said the Wolves would beat the Celtics and Andrew Wiggins would score ten points or more. 
was half right. He scored. I think, did score sixteen. I think in that game. Yep, he got to, seventeen. He got to double digits. How did, how did that man? That's a tough one. <laughs> that came so close. I mean, they're playing. They're nine and three since the trade. I know. Yeah. It's unfortunately one of those three was against the Celtics, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said Michigan will win the Big Ten and play in the college football championship or the college football playoff. Yeah, uh, wasn't good. But Manny predicted that Urban Meyer would step down after the season, which is correct. And that's the good news. The bad news is that's a 2019 calendar year, correct? So you're going to start the year with a hit. Yeah. But technically, your prediction was Urban Meyer will step down after the season. We're going to give him a, basically a leadoff triple for 2019. I'll take it. So, I'll take wait, it. you're you out of the gate. Triple for that? Triple? Well, like, were there were there, were there that Maybe many reports double. coming out that he was going to step I, down? You know what? That's fine. I mean, only I'd say it's a double, but that's just me personally. Well, yeah. you've stolen reports before and passed them <laughs> off as write that down. <laughs> I know I have, but I try and keep it quiet and try not to not to become exposed as the fraud I am when I am caught. All right, what what should it be? A single or a double? I'd double. Say it's a double. Yeah. Double. It's a solid double. You yeah. cool with a double? I'll take. Uh, I'll take a. I'll take. I'll take a double and an advance to third on an errant throw. Okay. <laughs> All right, Joe Mauer. <laughs> uh, so, so with that, uh, Manny is still batting zero for the 2018 season, but he's got one ready to roll in early 2000 because because Urban's going to coach a game in 2019, mm-hmm. so it doesn't coach the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Doesn't take effect. So now, now the, the question becomes: Are you going to try and make as many predictions as possible to get in by next week to get one right for this year? I am going to have one that. Hopefully, will get me on base before okay. this season is over. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so Manny's batting zero. Uh, let's see, Judd, you're batting two fifty four, slugging four sixty nine. I'm batting two fifty eight, slugging four sixty one. Listeners are batting just two thirty two, slugging four thirty. And our guest predictors, of which Jonathan Harrison's going to be one today, uh, he's batting two. Uh, the guests are batting two fourteen. But they're slugging 647. So when our guests connect, it's always home runs for the most <laughs> yes, part. It is. Swinging for those fences. Yeah. All right. Write it down. You like writing things down. We'll go Judd, Manny, Jonathan, me. We'll just go around the room in a, in a counterclockwise fashion. I'm going to start with a write that down about one of the players the Twins signed yesterday. Jonathan Scope will hit 20 or more home runs for the Twins this season. Jonathan Scope is going That's to hit kind of a lame prediction. 20 he always hits more 20 home runs. Home runs. It doesn't matter. That's I, like a hit by pitch. You know what? I'm fine with that. I'm the same guy that went for went through an 0 for 11 one day. I am the I'm watching my I'm looking out for me. I'm, I'm the guy who doesn't play in a bowl game. I'm looking out for me. Here's where karma's going to be a you know what? He's gonna for get Judd. traded. He's going to hit twenty, but he's going to get traded because the Twins are going to be out of the race. And I gave you the Twins. I'm giving you the Twins. <laughs> Write it down. You like writing things down. Right, over to Manny. The uh, Gopher football team will defeat Georgia Tech in the Quick Lane Bowl. They will pull off the upset because I think they're four point underdogs right now. Okay, they will win. The Gophers will win the Quick Lane Bowl, and that'll be a double if that happens because it's you know they're underdogs in that game. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> We shall Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. <laughs> All right, Jonathan Harrison. All right, guys. The Wolves 13-12 and 12 right now. They're only two and a half back of fifth place Lakers. The Wolves will make the playoffs, and they will make it as a five seed. Whoa. Mm. I love when Jonathan gets just swinging from the heels. <laughs> just Adam Dunn, Dave yep. Kingman. Aggressive. Oh, you five know, seed. I forgot mm. Jonathan had one on the board as a guest predictor recently. Uh, he said, totally forgot about this one. 
As I go through the notes here, he said Mike McCarthy will be fired after the season and Joe Lombardi will be the next Packers offensive coordinator. But that, for the first part of that prediction, McCarthy will be fired after the season. Well, I tried. You fell into the judge trap. We even yeah. gave Don't him a chance. After. I remember specific. he predicted it. And I remember us, I'm pretty sure we said, are you sure you want to stick with the word after? What if it happens during? And he said, no, it'll happen after. That's my problem, too. <laughs> exact thing I've done I trusted lot. the Packers too much. That was my mistake. And then they let him back in the building to like, <laughs> right? Goodbye. Just, didn't know what happened. Say goodbye to the players. Yeah, yeah. All right. Write it down. You like writing things down. The Vikings write this down. Will run the table the rest of the regular season. They will beat the Seahawks on Monday, <laughs> and then they will win their final three games: Miami, Detroit, and Chicago. The Vikings will finish ten five and one. They will run the table from this point forward. Four straight wins to end the regular season. What's, write it down. What's you like that writing line things about down? If if you don't succeed the first time or if you don't learn from your previous mistakes or something like that. I've got this prediction queued up again? four more times, too, if needed. <laughs> for three more, I guess. He's coming back to it. Week 17, the Vikings will beat the Bears. Yeah. Right? They'll run the table. <laughs> the Vikings will run the preseason table next year. Write it down. You like writing things down. Write this down. All right, back to Judd. Okay, because my, my specific way of trying to word things previously has bit me square in the butt, I am going to be very cautious here, but I'm going to give you a write that down of which I talked about as early as Monday or Tuesday, but it's going to be simpler. Urban Meyer will coach in college football again. Okay, I'm not giving you the team, and I'm not giving you the year. So it can be a single, it can be perhaps a single, and I go to second on the bad throw. But Urban Meyer will coach college football in college football again. But this could be a 20-year window for the prediction, because if let's say he sits Amen. out till he's 70 or something. Amen, Okay. Let so it you're, ride. Just, you're just putting a prediction out that's not going to have an end. I'm willing to guess <laughs> that we'll be hot country by that time, so it probably won't come out. <laughs> but what's the, the point in me? making this prediction if it's never if it can't it because, can't come off the board? Because let's say unless in, unless you get it. Because I guess. let's say in two years he, he takes a job. I think it's there's going, no downside. To this I think prediction. it's going to be Southern Cal, but I'm not positive about that. So this is a this is a 100 upside prediction because there's no expiration date. Exactly right. Um, I've learned my lesson. All right. Well, unless a I guess second if, hit by pitch for Judd today. You don't want to go for the home run or like the triple and add the USC angle to it, Judd. Come on. Okay, I'll do Swing it. Swing for the fences. Yes. Yes. I'll do, you know what? I'll do it. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Urban, pressure got to me. <laughs> okay. So right, Urban, Meyer, Urban Meyer will coach USC, but again, like if he takes, let's say he takes, let's say he takes an, an SEC job or something yeah. again in, in in two years. This prediction stays on the board. Because you're not okay. Next that, job, make it next job. So Urban Meyer's, Urban Meyer's next job, next college, he will coach in college football again, and his next job will be USC. Okay, all right, all right. happy now. This is so easy to get. Write it down. You like writing things down? <laughs> really, Judd's buying into the peer pressure, man. <laughs> I didn't want to smoke it, Mom and Dad. They made me. <laughs> they pressured me. All right, back to Manny. All right, so the Wolves uh, starting this weekend, starting tomorrow in Portland, they're going to go on a four-game West Coast road trip. The uh, the Wolves are going to play Portland, Golden State, Sacramento, and Phoenix in that order, and the Wolves will win three out of four, three out of those four games. Wow. They will win three out of those four games. I'm not going to say which one they're not going to win. You are all on the bandwagon. They're going to win three out of those four games. Write that down. I don't have a pencil. Well, remember that then. Okay, Jonathan. Baseball winter meetings are this week. They start on Sunday, go through next week. Bryce Harper and Manny Machado will both sign big mega deals by Monday. Okay. Care to give us teams? Nope. Wait, by by the <laughs> you're saying by this coming Monday? By before, this coming Monday. So but the but the winter meetings technically start Sunday night. Yep. 
Really? So you're saying I'll have it done? Wow, mm. that's a whole. So nine. they will both. Can we say both agree to terms? Yes. I'm going to help you here. All right. Okay. Why are you helping him? Because they're not going to have <laughs> a physical. You're not going to tear me down. But how are they not going to guess? But they're not going to be able to take physicals, so they won't sign anything until they take physicals. <laughs> I just want Jonathan so, Harrison. So they'll agree to terms by by, by twelve ten. What's the date? The seventh by twelve ten. Yep. Like Jonathan just like chugged a bottle happen. of vodka right there. Oh, like, yeah. No, dude, it's not gonna don't get in the car. Show. It's going to happen at like midnight. On Monday night. Oh. Write this down. <laughs> By the way, we have Derek Falvey coming up here. The uh, Derek Falvey for thirty minutes coming up very shortly here. Wide ranging interview. We got to fly here because we're already running kind of long. Uh, write this down. The Timberwolves will run the table on their West Coast road trip. It's going to one up me. Huh? The okay. Timberwolves will win all four games on this West this Coast is the road most trip. Mailed in. Write this down from Mackie. We've had. <laughs> write it down. You like writing things down? Yeah, hey, I'm leading the batting average. Write this down. <sighs> Actually, I think you are now. All right. Back to Judd. In addition to the head coaching changes already made in Cleveland and Green Bay, there will be at least four more head coaches fired in the NFL either in the coming weeks or after the season. So I'm leaving myself the leeway, but there will be at least four more head coaches fired. Okay, at least four more coaches fired fired in NFL. So we're up to six. Okay, to get to six total. But I'm not giving you, as I used to, the day after (laughs) because then I'd get hosed. Right. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. Manny? Alabama will win the national championship, but they will be led to that championship in the championship game by Jalen Hurts and not Tua Tagovailoa. Okay, so Jalen so Hurts will start will, it. He will. He won't start it, but he will play in the game and play very well. It'll be basically be a reverse of what it was last year. Okay, but like can. Can we quantify that play well means throw? Like he will, he will throw. Let's say Jalen Jalen Hurts will play in this. Will will play the majority of the second half. Right. Okay. okay. And he will lead Alabama to the victory. Okay. 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 That's uh, quantifiable in that form. Write this down. Write that down. Jonathan, the Vikings will go three and one to finish the season, while the Bears will go one and three to finish the season, and the Vikings will capture the NFC North. Okay. So Vikings three and one. Yep. Bears one and three. Yep. And Vikings win division. Yes. Okay. Um, let's see here. What should I tee up? Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. Mm. Um, write this down. The Wild will run the table for the rest of the season. <laughs> write this down. <laughs> um, what was Manny's last prediction? That the Alabama would win? Okay, screw it. Write this down. Notre Dame. Damn, Notre Dame will run the table the rest of the season. Oh. Notre Dame will win the right national down, championship. I love where you're going down. right now, right yep. down the tubes. Uh, we have a long uh, multi-segment sit-down with Derek Falvey when we come back here. We actually, full disclosure, we went out to Target Field earlier today, and we sat in the Twins' offices and talked to Derek Falvey about it was a State of the Twins address leading into the baseball winter meeting. So you'll hear that shortly on the other side of this. But first, a conversation about... Long-term financial planning. It's the Friday Financial Playbook with Dale Tondrick and myself. Mackie and Judd, uh, we're in a, a random library here in the, the bowels of Target Field where we see 1999 media guides. There's a 1961 Cubs guide there. This is great. A I love 61 this Cubs guide. We, Collector's uh, dream. Derek Falvey, any old Indians guides in here? I'm, we can I'm find sure there like are. Fresh-faced Derek Falvey pictures in <laughs> I'm sure there are in here. It's uh, and Actually, you know what Judd just said, I, I think looking back at some of these old media guides and thinking about how front offices and coaching staffs and players... You know, we, we know the rosters, but I actually like to look a little bit more at the deep dive of an organization 20 years ago. What did it look like? That's yeah. pretty cool. So what, what, are the, what are the things that you nerd out the most about 
in, uh, in your baseball life? How much time you got? Uh, was, as much as you want. There, there was, uh, you know, I, I, I guess uh, I, I think back when I was back, um, I went and visited my, my folks over uh, Thanksgiving, as we always do, my, my wife and I did, and I, I got a chance. My dad had found an old baseball card collection that I had, you know, from when I was a young kid. It's funny, you open the box and you immediately remember, like, certain cards, and I used to put them in all kinds of orders, batting orders, then by team, then by, <laughs> you know, uh, players I like the best on the left side. So uh, there's there's literally nothing about baseball, I think, as my wife would tell you, that I don't enjoy to some degree. So it's uh, it's fun. And you, your cards were probably, you were a kid, circa what? Late 80s, early Late 90s. Okay. So those, yeah. those were probably the, the key cards uh, uh, that I that I've spent most of my time Your favorite card? On. Oh, favorite card of all time. I have, I do have a Ted Williams card, um, from kind of middle of his career, not one of those rookie cards or anything special to it, but. I mean, the fact that it's a Ted Williams it. card makes it special in yeah, itself. No doubt, think. no doubt. And it was my grandfather's card, and he gave it to me years ago when I was a kid, and so I still have it. I've kept that uh, for, I'll keep that and pass that along. I've told these guys the story before. I, this is probably in the mid 90s. I was, I don't know, 12 years old or something, and they used to run on, it was either Home Shopping Network or QVC. Don West used to do this hour-long show selling wax boxes, 1984 wax yep. box. Yep. I remember waking my mom up at midnight one night saying, the Mark McGuire Olympic rookie card is in this wax box. It's December whatever. I want this as my Christmas present. <laughs> and instead of like slapping me, she said silently, said, all right, what's the number? Order it was like eighty dollars basically for a box of nineteen eighty four top cards. Is what she said. <laughs> and and the mark and then little did we know a few years later that card would be devalued because of you know, you know that era and whatnot. But, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's I think for any kid who loves baseball and I you know my son's too young right now to to appreciate it and I don't know what the kind of age eight to fourteen year old you know young boy or young girl who loves baseball if they're collecting cards the same way but uh, we do have our twins cards at home you know our team and so my my son does flip through uh, he knows who uh, Max Kepler is and Jose Barrios and you know he know he can he can clip through the cards does so. he get sad when you say goodbye to a player like when you trade a player <laughs> or DFA somebody do you have to do you have to sit he, him down he's not there yet uh, you know at age three he can't quite figure that out yet but I would say that uh, certainly last summer you know you talk through different players and he knows everyone's uh, knows everyone's name if you say the first name he knows the last name so that's uh, it's fun it's fun to teach that to the next generation of fans do you, do you t- tip him off to trades <laughs> hey today don't get too upset, but I'm going to trade Dozier to the Dodgers. <laughs> so, so one of my—I don't know if you guys recall this—but last one of my closest friends, really in life and in the game, Mike Chernoff was the GM of the uh, of the Indians last year. His son went on during a spring training game in the broadcast and and said to Tom Hamilton, the play-by-play guy of the Cleveland Indians, that his dad was working on a contract extension for Jose Ramirez, and he said it live on the air, and it was his you know seven-year-old son Brody. It, it, it's on YouTube. It's great. You got to find it. But to be that was <laughs> yeah, they that. Want- they want a player option, but you know my dad's not budging. <laughs> and Mike panicked, and you know eventually, ultimately, I think they uh, they ended up doing that deal. But uh, it was something that uh, it was kind of a joke. And I've said, okay, I've learned. Now I'm not going to share that with my son along the way not going my forward. My family gets a classified yeah, exactly. information now. Exactly. <laughs> so what are I know, since we're on this thread, and we want to definitely yeah. talk about uh, you. You made a free agent signing yesterday, and mm-hmm. there's and the winter meetings are coming up. But what 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 are what are your favorite when you unplug from baseball? What are do you have any non-baseball things or hobbies or are you just like 24/7 
because of the life that you have to lead as a president of baseball operations. Yeah. You know, I, I, the way I look at it, I have two things in life that I care more than anything about. And it's, you know, in this order, it's family and then it's my job, really. I mean, and, um, that's all, that's all I really spend time on. I, you know, when I'm home, uh, I'm with my family. You know, I try and invest there as much as I can. You know, our, when you work in baseball, your, your wife and your kids, they make a lot of sacrifices. So for me, it's really important. My parents are still, you know, um, certainly around and they come out, you know, a decent amount out to Minnesota and get to see them quite a bit and, and spend time with my family but i like golf those things i haven't golfed in about three years but uh but I, I do like things like that at some point in my life maybe i'll get back to it but it's it's baseball all the time in my head and then when i'm home it's my family do you yeah. like being gr- grouped in with, with the, the new class of executive too because i mean if when people talk about you they, they talk about analytics and they sure. talk about but b- being a, a baseball fan your entire life do you do you like being grouped in in that or do you th- think to yourself that there's a lot more about you baseball wise that people don't know and they don't yeah. care about because they make assumptions yeah I'm, I'm, that's a great question Judd. I, I'm certainly honored that I'm you know even in this group and with different people um, you know there's some great great executives around the game and the fact that I just get a chance to work with them is is humbling to me uh, but I do it, there are times I do kind of um, uh, I guess scoff at the you know analytics label only because I think that this is a people game through and through and it's it's really about how you motivate and align people around a vision and a mission right and and that's what we're doing every day in that clubhouse in our minor league system with our scouts what is the mission the mission is to make the Minnesota Twins the most the best team it can be but also represent what our owners want us to represent what Dave St. Peter does and what we all represent as people and so I think that uh, certainly analytics has changed the game in in many ways over a number of years and I feel like I am I am very intrigued by that and I spend a lot of time thinking about it but my view of it is you can have all the data in the world. You can have books full of data like we do in this room. But if you can't translate it to a player, if you can't make that connection, if you can't figure out how a player understands how that applies to his game, it's not going to be effective. So in my mind, I love the relationships I get to build with people in that clubhouse and you know in our minor league system and with our scouting staff and otherwise. At the end of the day, we all want to win a ring and, and multiples of them. But I will tell you that when I get to the back end of my career, I hope I can sit down with that and with other people I've worked with along the way and look back and say, these are the people I helped grow and develop as players, as staff members, and I was part of something that people were proud of at the end of the day. Derek, is that where the arms race is now? It feels like for 10 or 15 years it was about who has the edge collecting secret information. Mm -hmm. And it almost feels, not that there's not more information to gather, but it almost feels like we've come full circle through the sabermetric age of now, now it's about... You've got 19-year-old kids in the minor leagues. You've got you've got language barriers. How do you take information and communicate it on a field level? I mean, I, I feel like that's where the arms race is. Right. I, now. I think you're right. Uh, right now, certainly focus on uh, really the best way to describe that is the focus is on development. You know, a lo- it was a l- for a long time about selection, and still is certainly. You know, draft selection, uh, free agent selection, trades. That's a selection process, trying to identify who the talented players are. But the question for me is, how do you get the player that is he has a certain level of talent today. How do you grow that talent? Because I, I do firmly believe that if you put the right systems in place, I don't really believe in the term ceiling. Like I, I don't, I don't know what that means. We're wrong about ceilings all the time. Players get better. You know, you look around the game right now. I'm sure when someone saw Jose Altuve the first time he walked on a field, they thought the ceiling was pretty limited. Well, you know, we look up now, and it's it's much different than I think we any of us would have thought when he was a young kid. So I just I've been around enough players to see them grow and develop, make changes. So I do believe that the arms race so to speak, in baseball right now is all around development. So what's the process then, or what was it like the first time you explained the concept of the opener to a, to a modern baseball mm-hmm. player? 
Yeah, it, well, fortunately, you get I mean, punched in the face. <laughs> or, or Patrick Royce. Yeah, did Royce yeah. Take your in, pick, yeah. whichever well, one you explain. For those of you who saw the uh, the the opening press conference, I think Rocco Baldelli handled uh, handled that question about as well as anybody at that moment. But open mindedness, <laughs> open mindedness, exactly. <laughs> you know, I think here's the interesting thing about baseball. You know, I referenced uh, Ted Williams earlier, and you know, there was an era of baseball where he played, and there weren't um, these one inning pitchers at the end of a game. And there were players from that generation, when that started to happen, they said, what is this idea of this one-inning pitcher at the end of the game? We all know it now as a closer, but that didn't exist for the last 100 years. That's a relatively modern adjustment in the yeah. game. There were multi-inning closers, then there were one-inning closers. Now there's left-on-left specialists, you know, pioneered by guys like Tony La Russa and others. So in my mind, you know, the game evolves every decade. And that's what I think is special about baseball. Maybe more so than other sports. I'll admit my bias on that. I'm not sure I could speak to that perfectly. But every decade has a unique style to it and i think that we may be embarking upon a uh, you know a change in that we'll see it's it remains to be seen but to answer your question about you know em- employing it and talking with players when you do it in the minor leagues first which is when we really started it you have to explain the why it gets back to the development side of it why are we doing this why why could it help and and you see pitchers understand and they you know they adapt and then they make changes and then you go back and forth but you need to create a safe forum for players to ask questions of you as to why you're doing it and then once you explain it to them people people buy in you know they understand but you have to invest in them at that level how weird is baseball too because baseball baseball certainly has a lot of new stuff come in but i think it's the biggest sport where there's still a group of people who say no 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 but do, do you look at like nba football constant change constant change yeah. and changes like this is great the new new passing concepts new shooting you know three points big that's great and yet Baseball tries to change, and you do have a faction, a large faction, that's like, oh, no, no, you can't. What are you doing to the game? You're ruining it. You're ruining the game. And and I will say this. I think games are too long now, but I also think that there's change that goes on that is absolutely fine. And and if this was basketball, no one would say a word about it. Yeah, you know, you're making an interesting point that I've probably only come to really appreciate more recently. Uh, And I agree with you that I think uh, you see across baseball. and Well, one thing I really agree with you on is about the length of games. I think we have to figure out a way. To, to pick up our pace. And that's something that we hear from fans. Uh, at the league level, it's been talked about a lot. We need to partner with the players. There's an agreement between you know, the Players Association, the union, and Major League Baseball to work through these things collectively. So we need to figure out what that looks like and, and keep players healthy, but keep things moving a little bit more quickly. I totally agree with that. But I do think baseball is, and I can't put my finger on exactly why, um, it's a little more uh, averse to, to you know, embracing that change. Uh, and so I, I feel like uh, I do see it. You know, you watch you watch basketball sometimes. You, you know, the three point revolution, or you know, more shooting or otherwise. It's talked about a little bit more in a positive light than maybe some of the changes in baseball. And I think that you know, it's incumbent upon us as as baseball executives and and coaches and players and and staff to really talk about why some of these changes can be helpful. I mean, I think. Tampa Bay is a great example this year of having made some adjustments early on in their season with their team, with their roster, and then employed some strategies that were very unique and you know got them to 90 wins. It was a pretty good season, and you know it's hard to argue that you the proof is in the pudding on all these things. And I think that uh, we need to do a better job of making sure we explain that to our fans. Uh, Derek Falvey's with us here. We had we had Jason Starks, a regular on our on our show during this. We had him on yesterday because he wrote an article with some inside information about how the commissioner's office and the competition committee are mm-hmm. talking about reducing or eliminating certain kinds of shifts that this might maybe be in play for 2019 if baseball decided listen for for pace of play reasons because we don't want every other pitch guys moving around or just to put more batted balls into play and and make it more exciting 
if if baseball cracked down from a front office perspective, how would you feel? Yeah, I I look at it this way. Uh, I'm I'm probably this is what's unique. I'm I'm progressive thinker in a lot of ways, but I also recognize that making specific rule changes in the game of baseball is is pretty significant, and it changes the way the game is played. And I'm a b- big believer that I don't think we always think through the unintended consequences of those changes. I don't know what making that rule change will do for the game five years from now or ten years from now. I think the I think what's special about baseball for the last hundred plus years is that when uh, it's cat and mouse game when when pitchers adjust hitters adjust and then pitchers have to adjust back and then you know hitters so i my view of this is i think there's um i think we just have to be very patient and and careful about making specific rule adjustments that we may a couple years down the line look at and say is that is that was that the right thing for us so i just want to be i'm certainly supportive of studying this and learning and and finding ways to impact the game more uh, more on the field but i think when you when you change mound heights or you do things you have to be really thoughtful about what that means do do players like shifts and i i say that because i see more and more surprisingly i think pitchers don't because it sounds to me like if i'm a pitcher and and you shift and it works that's great but if a ball goes through shortstop and my shortstop was supposed yeah. to, to be there i'm po'd at that point do you find when when you try and explain the why of shifts. Do players like them, Derek, or do you find it that there is an adversity to them across the board, including pitchers? You know, it's a, it's an interesting point because I think you're right. If you show a guy data that, hey, the shift saved him 100 hits, but he gave up 10. Right? The 10 are the ones that he remember. And and I'm not I'm not certainly not educated enough to speak on this, but uh, trained psychologists will tell you that's pretty that's a that's a psychology element, you know, that losing something is worse than gaining something on the other end. That's a real human reaction. So, I get that. I understand that. I think this again gets back to the education piece though. When you show a pitcher that information and that data, they tend to buy in. They want to get out, right? They want to see how it impacts their team. So, I think that um, I think that there is some conversation with some pitchers that would rather just give up the hit, you know, to right field that maybe would have otherwise been caught by the second baseman playing deep, uh, than give up that ground ball to shortstop. But I, I, you know, over time, I think that's changed. I think for our pitching staff in particular, the group I can speak to, they understand the rationale behind it and they see the positive benefit. Uh, so just to, to switch gears here, and uh, you guys announced yesterday officially, Jonathan Scope on on a one year contract, uh, second baseman. He's mixing at third base. C.J. Crone, I believe, has one year left on, on his team mm-hmm. control. So uh, if, if you could speak to a couple additions that you've made this offseason, but also just to, just to throw out a preface, it feels like you guys have made a pretty concerted effort the last two or three years to, A, build up young talent mm-hmm. through trades and yep. through you know whatever means, but also when you supplement in free agency and via trade, it's been short-term deals. It's been... Uh, at least the ones that you've landed to sure. this point. So can can you speak to that strategy? Yeah, so, so I think uh, talking about that last point first, I, I think a little bit of a, a different kind of approach to last year and this year, and even though we ended up with more one-year guys, kind of entirely different circumstances in my mind. When we look at this past uh, this past year, 2017, we were very fortunate come February that we felt there were really good fits for our club. So guys like Lance Lynn or Logan Morrison or otherwise, that was a unique situation where maybe on the back end as you were going into the season – it started to become uh, reasonable to in, to think about one-year deals. This year, it's actually on the flip side. We're on the front end of the conversation. C.J. Crone's a unique one because he was a waiver claim, you know, so someone who uh, had been placed on waivers, so his control is whatever his control is. We didn't invest in any longer term or shorter term. Mm-hmm. We just agreed to an arbitration salary. But then in Jonathan Scope's case, you know, a 27-year-old second baseman who uh, was one year removed from being one of the better players in the game at the position, uh, certainly performed about as well as anybody dealt 
dealt with an oblique injury early this year, and I, I can tell you that from my experience with guys who've dealt with that and talking around the league, those things can linger and really impact the season. So Jonathan, he knows he didn't put up his best last year. He tried to fight through it at different junctures and didn't quite perform, I think, the way he would have hoped, certainly. We all, we all know that. But this is a chance to get a guy who's one of the younger guys in the free agent market at a position of need who we think is one year removed from really being uh, an impact guy. So it's just worked out in that sense where for him, maybe the one year is best both on both sides where it gives him a chance to kind of rebuild where he needs to be going back into free agency. I think if uh, if we had looked at the end of 2017 at Jonathan Scope, we would have thought this is setting up for you know a pretty pretty big free agent outcome here at some point along the way. I think he wants to get back on that track, so we understand that from a, from a length standpoint. So for us, we're supplementing our core. I do believe that you build championship teams around an internal core, whether you trade for it or you develop it internally. A young core has to sustain your success moving forward. And in our particular situation, I think we're really attentive to how we impact the, the that team with with complementary pieces. And you know, I, I think about our first free agent deal here was a three-year deal in Jason Castro. So we're not averse to multiple-year deals, but you have to be thoughtful the more years you go out, how it impacts your club. Speaking of people, Derek, what, what did you learn last year? Last spring, you, you signed mm-hmm. Lynn and that group. Mm-hmm. And we all thought, I'm sure you did, mm-hmm. we talked about it. This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. These guys are still out there, and it's February going into March, and and they're not extremely expensive, and they're going to help. What did you learn about people, though, who are somewhat disgruntled by, by their lot in life? Because that's the one thing in that clubhouse that I started to see, and it actually made sense. I didn't think about it at the time. But, you know, if you're Lance Lynn, you're thinking, I'm going to hit the market in November and I'm going to get this big contract and it doesn't happen. What what did that teach you about people? And and now when, when you're signing guys, I think you're truly getting guys that, that want to be here as opposed to, oh, my God, I'm desperate. I'll sign with you. Yeah, I think last year was such a unique year. I mean, right? You had those, uh, to your point, you know, we went into spring training seeing that there were some guys still on the board that were maybe somewhat surprising to still be there and you know when those conversations transpired and we had a chance to talk to Jim Pola and he was supportive made a lot of sense right for our team for where we were coming off of uh, the 2017 season felt like we were in a good place so in my mind um, going into it the thing I think you did, we did learn a little bit was the combination of maybe the experience of going through the offseason the challenge of that I don't take that lightly for a guy you know who goes into an offseason maybe expecting something and not ending up on the same uh, at the same place on the back end of that so I that that is something we've learned but at the same time I would say one of the challenges maybe we did learn league-wide was getting those guys into camp really does matter and and when they get started and when the season starts I think in in Lance's case you know great example I'm not sure he was quite where he needed to be come opening day you know and and we saw really the way he pitched down the stretch in New York was kind of more maybe what we would have hoped to see over the course of the longer period for us um, but you know he 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 worked he worked his tail off to try and put himself there he just didn't quite didn't quite work out I think the way he wanted for the year so I think we we learn a lot from every free agent cycle we we don't really I don't want to take too much from kind of one one experience here or there because I think there were guys across baseball whether it was Mike Moustakas or JD Martinez or others who you know went into situations and really had great years as well so in my mind I think we just want to be attentive to the culture is always important and we started this off talking about analytics versus some of the cultural elements and people we always need to be attentive to what the culture is in that clubhouse and the people we bring in I feel like you guys are sitting on like a 10 to 12 win swing just based on Byron Buxton and Miguel Sano in 2019 and, and going forward. Uh, what hope is there for both of those guys? And they're, and I know they're not one person, so you can address yeah. them separately, but what hope is there for those guys 
to have the light bulb turn on and for them to be the core star players that everyone hopes that they can be. Yeah, you know, in, in hindsight, looking at the back end of the year, you know, we went back to our preseason projections and kind of where we thought we'd be and what can we learn from what what transpired. And I think the the key area for us looking at our roster last year for different reasons, but to have we had three what we would consider top fifty position players in the game. You know, in, in those two guys who you just mentioned and Brian Dozier, and you know, with that group, we didn't quite get collectively what we would have hoped out of that. You know, no one's running from that. And most notably the players, and I think that when I look at guys like Byron and Miguel, and um, you know, again, we end up bucketing them sometimes. I like to separate it too. You know, I think they both went through different trials last year. You know, there were struggles for a lot of different reasons on both sides, but we know they're both immensely talented. We've seen flashes of that. Whether it was the fir- for me since I've been here, the first half of 2017 for Miguel and what led into his All Star appearance, and then the second half of Byron, you know, and what he was capable of doing. All of our young players have kind of put together stretches of time where you see if it can be consistent over five to six hundred plate appearances now you've got a really interesting core so you know whether that's Eddie Rosario Byron Buxton Max Kepler uh, Jorge Polanco you know at different junctures Miguel Sano obviously Jose Barrios those are some of the young players that we think we have that if they put together the full spectrum of what we think they can over the course of a season you know we have a real chance to impact and we have to stay healthy right at the end of the day Last year, one of the big challenges, I, I looked at our roster and I said, okay, of our opening day starting roster, or what we would have thought, um, outside of Max Kepler, and we lost everybody for some period of time. Byron went down, Rosie didn't finish the year, Miguel, of course, Polanco dealt with the suspension, Brian didn't have quite the year he had. You know, Joe, at first, had a concussion and missed a good chunk of the middle of the year. We lost our starting catcher you know, a month into the season, and then our, starting, our opening day starter was Irvin Santana, and you know, that didn't go quite as well as we would have hoped. So our view of it is, you got to stay healthy, and then you got to have that group perform the way we see it. But that's why we see high variance in this club that can take the step back that you're talking about. You know, the ten to twelve win swing. It's possible with this team that you could see that in a very short period of time because it's a young roster with real talent, and we'll see where it goes. What is a Buxton's state of mind right now? And in in Sano's case, I guess more importantly than his state of mind. What's his shape right sure, now? Sure, sure. So both guys, so Byron and I have connected a, a few times since the season had ended, um, texted with him over Thanksgiving, and you know he's he's in a good place. Talk with his agent. He's in a good place around. He just needs to, he wants to get healthy. He wants to focus on next year. That was the plan at the end of the year. Um, he's hitting. He's doing everything he needs to do. So right now we're focused on just putting him in the best position to be successful. And just in talking with his agent recently around, he represents some other players as well, free agents and otherwise. I know he's really in a good place mentally. Uh, in Miguel's case, we've been very attentive, probably more so than the average player in terms of check-ins in the offseason. Don't blame um, you. So, uh, so, and that's, hey, that was part of the plan. We said that right at the outset. So it was going to be you know, a couple of weeks down of just let the season end and, and digest, and then from that point forward, a check-in every week around where things are with his workout plan. He spent time with our minor league strength and conditioning coordinator, Ian Kadish, who built the plan, who was really uh, impactful and effective when Miguel went down to Fort Myers during that trip uh, early. So Ian spent time with him in the Dominican. They put a plan together. They have a very clear kind of month-to-month focus. Uh, and he is uh, the benefits of technology now, right? He can film all his workouts. He can send back all kinds of information. We make sure he goes back to the to our complex you know, to get uh, to get some check-ins and things like that. So uh, so far, so good. And then we anticipate him coming to Fort Myers at some point here in December, and then as well as in January, and hope to get him uh, you know before the, before spring training. So the more we can focus on getting his body where it needs to be, physically strong, he's going to be a big man. We have no doubt about that. But I think making sure that he can move the way he needs to move and put himself in the best possible position to be successful is important to us. So Joe's gone now, mm-hmm. uh, and and I, 
I think the the outside point of view from this building is going to be the twins got all of this money just go spend it you know and people are i mean as as you know by now there's a lot of people in, in this town dying to say cheap poll ads right sure. how do you respond to those fans who expect you to go to vegas and beyond and just start to spend all all of this cash because the 23 mils off the books and there's just a lot of cash out there for you well two things one one's a one's just a fact you know the first one which is we carried our highest payroll in, in club history last year going into the season like that's that's just a straight fact and anything I brought to Jim Polad and Dave St. Peter and otherwise they blessed so if we think it's a good baseball decision you talked about those one-year investments late those were not you know small necessarily they were one year certainly but uh, they weren't small and we carried a, a pretty significant payroll in the last year but I, I also think that you have to be careful equating payroll with team quality all the time right i think you have to be you have to be really attentive to how you invest and where you invest and i think that my view of free agency and and this is just this is this is also just in my mind a fact when you look at past seasons and investments and long-term investments uh there are times when you want to push in on certain types of players and they fit you and they fit your young core really well there are other times when it may not be the perfect fit and so you just decide that well that's a great player and and maybe he fits a different team and their their time horizon a little better and 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 the team and the need that they have on their club, uh, I, there were certainly players last year in the market that we felt like were great fits for somebody, but maybe not for us in the outfield. Say, you know, something like that where we thought those would be good investments, but not with the way our outfield was set up. So my view of it is. I feel like my job as our head of baseball operations is to recommend what I think are the best investments across baseball operations. That could be in technology, that could be in coaching, that could be in our health and performance and nutrition initiatives, but also in players. And I know that's the biggest chunk of what you see publicly, but I'm never going to um, recommend an investment in something that I don't think aligns really well with the way our club's set up either now or in the future. So the more flexibility we have, the better off we're going to be to build the type of team that fans here want to see. And uh, with that said, we're going to let you go because we know you have to get to Las Vegas and uh, sign Bryce Harper. So uh, <laughs> that's Machado well put. too, right? Well put, well put. Yeah. Both and, and Machado, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, come on, shortstop. Uh, who are those guys? <laughs> Derek Falvey, thank you so much for taking the time. Appreciate being on with you guys. Thank you. All right, so we're going to that with, and again, yeah, thank you to to Derek. We we went out to Target Field earlier today, and uh, and we we posted up and we talked for a half hour. So if you missed any part of that, you can find it on demand. As part of our one Mackie and Joe, there's also a, a clip of it that's going to be posted on the Touch 'Em All podcast feed too. But the full interview, if you missed any of it, will be available once our show's done here on demand. Hour two, I guess, of uh, of Mackie and Joe. We'll recap some of that now. Back to Mackie and John. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? It's <laughs> pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here. It's brought to you by Lucky's 13 Pubs. Lucky's13pubs.com. Five Twin Cities locations. 494 southbound uh, near Eden Prairie. We've got a crash causing a 12-minute delay. That's between Valley View Road and Highway 212. So if you're in that area, be careful. Thank you, Manny. The football hour is coming up shortly. It'll include Matthew Collar via phone. Uh, actually from Los Angeles because he's uh, visiting some family out there, going to watch football from from the West Coast this weekend. And uh, and Sage Rosenfels will join us at five fifteen. But that was uh, that was some good stuff from Derek Falvey. I mean, it was it was fun. It was also informative. I don't think I've seen anywhere what he told us about Miguel Sano, which is that not only did they start with a plan with the same trainer or the sa- the same guy that helped him get back in shape in Fort Myers, it's a month to month plan and he has not only regular check-ins with the team 
weekly and sometimes more than that. He's video taping or I guess recording part. his workouts. Send and us your workouts. <laughs> we want to see you're not fat. We exactly. want to see it in person. Let's see your workout plan. But that's it. I mean, but, I mean, like what it's what you've been saying for two years, which is you should have someone there all the time, and they've got someone checking in. But the, as Derek Falvey said, modern technology. Well, that's he's great. He's got to send us photos of, of himself. What you can't? What you Are they can't? Like shirtless before and be. after photos. They should be. <laughs> what you can't have. What dro- what drove me nuts about the twins for years is basically guys would be like. See a Twins Fest, yeah, and they'd show up in January. You'd be like, "My God, you just got fat." So anyway, I if the Twins are are doing as much due diligence and checking in on Miguel Snow as it sounds like, I applaud it. What was the show? What did they call it? Like Celebrity Fit Club or something? Yeah, where, oh, they, yeah. where Dustin, remember Dustin Diamond? Yeah, he freaked there. out and got kicked off the show. Yeah, but they every show it was a weekly show, and every show they would at the end of the show they would they would check in with how much weight they lost from the previous show, and they'd, and they. What's his name? The drill sergeant guy. I forget his name. He'd, he'd yeah. go, your target weight loss for next week will be two pounds. So I wonder if the twins should be doing that with me. Yeah. <laughs> just like every week, they'll just call in. He's got like spandex right, on and they're spinning him around. You lost three pounds last week. Okay. Your target weight loss uh, for next week, Miguel. Hey, you know what? Two and a half pounds. The guy that came back from, from Fort Myers in July, shape-wise, was fine. Like, that's the start. Mm-hmm. He didn't hit still. And that that's a that's a different issue. But at least the guy that was sent down in June and then came back in July physically looked like he could play. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I gleaned just in in that conversation was if you're expecting the Twins just because they lost Joe Maurer's contract to spend a bunch of money this offseason, uh, it 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 feels like they're definitely willing to spend money. And he pointed out a fact, which is last year was the highest payroll in team history. But Derek Falvey and Thad Levine are really, really cautious about spending money before the core is ready. So I think you're going to get these sort of, you know, these these Jonathan Scope, who's a really good player, but it's it's a make-good deal because he wasn't that good last year. Those are the types of deals you're going to see. Now, don't mistake the Jonathan Scope deal with a bargain bin deal from Twins Past, where they're going after the Sidney Ponsones and the... <laughs> The Mike Lambs and the Joe Creedies. Levon Hernandez. No, like Jonathan Scope legit was an MVP candidate two years ago and had some injury issues and had a down year, got traded to the Brewers, and it didn't work out for him. I didn't know he had the the oblique thing that Derek talked about. I didn't realize he was dealing with that last year. Yeah, and that stuff can linger. So if he played through some of that and the culture that he was playing in that Orioles clubhouse had to have just been a miserable grind, right, in the first half. Yeah, you think it was a little bit tough there? Uh, Yeah. Just a little bit tough? Yes. This all comes down to one thing, though. If Buxton and Sano develop as they should in 2019, your track for 2020 is probably fine. If they don't, it's a big, big well, deal. If they develop in 2019, your track for 2019 is in good shape. Sure, but I mean, that's you're, you're a but playoff that's contender key, in 19. But that's the key track, right? Because mm-hmm. if they don't, then then you've got to go back and say, okay, two key position guys have basically failed us. Yeah. Uh, so if you if you missed it, it was it was almost a half hour, and uh, you can find it. Derek Falvey, Twins Chief Baseball Officer. We sat down at Target Field with him earlier today, and uh, go back and listen to that hour two on demand. Mackie and Judd, as you're maybe hopping in your car after work today, or uh, or heading around during the weekend. Let's come back the football hour. Matthew Collar and Sage Rosenfels. Uh, Sage has a lot to say about the Vikings offense. We know that for a fact. So we'll get to we'll get to some of that, but. Uh, right now at Luther Brookdale Toyota, you can get as part of Toyotathon, which is the best and biggest sales event of the year, you can get 0% financing for 60 months 
on 2019 Highlanders and 2018 Tundras. So you get spaciousness, you get durable, big vehicles for the winter months, and you get that safety. 0% financing for 60 months. This is a great time to get into something that's going to give you safety and give you size for the winter. You can also get customer cash as part of Tartathon on 19 models, 19 different models. And how about $1,000 APR cash on a 2019 Tacoma? I could keep going here, but you can also just stop by the website, which is LutherBrookdaleToyota.com to find out more for yourself or stop in. They're open until nine o'clock most nights. You can stop in, say hi to my friends and uh, people that my family have been going to for a long, long time. Luther Brookdale, Toyota. Toyotathon is on now. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN.